Chapter Five of A Negro Explorer at the North Pole by Matthew A. Henson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five. I have been busy making sledges, sledges of a different pattern from those used heretofore, and it is expected that they will answer better than the Eskimo type of open-work sledge of the earlier expeditions. These sledges have been designed by Commander Peary, and I have done the work. The runners are longer, and are curved upwards at each end, so that they resemble the profile of a canoe, and are expected to rise over the inequalities of the ice much better than the old style. Lashed together with sealskin thongs about twelve feet long, by two feet wide and seven inches high, the load can be spread along their entire length instead of being piled up, and a more even distribution of the weights is made. The Eskimos, used to their style of sledge, are of the opinion that the new style will prove too much for one man and an ordinary team to handle, but we have given both kinds a fair trial, and it looks as if the new type has the old beaten by a good margin. The hunting is not going along as successfully as is desired. The sun is sinking lower and lower, and the different hunting parties return with poor luck, bringing to the ship nothing in some cases, and in others only a few hares and some fish. The commander has told me that it is imperative that fresh meat be secured, and now that I have done all that it is positively necessary for me to do here at the ship, I am to take a couple of the Eskimo boys and try my luck for musk oxen or reindeer, so to-morrow, early in the morning, it is off on the hunt. This from my diary. Eight days out, and not a shot, not a sight of game, nothing. The night is coming quickly, the long months of darkness, of quiet and cold, that, in spite of my years of experience, I can never get used to, and up here at Sheridan it comes sooner and lasts longer than it does down at Etah and Bowdoin Bay. Only a few days' difference, but it is longer, and I do not welcome it. Not a sound except the report of a glacier, broken off by its weight and causing a new iceberg to be born. The black darkness of the sky, the stars twinkling above, and hour after hour going by with no sunlight. Every now and then a moon when storms do not come, and always the cold, getting colder and colder, and me out on the hunt for fresh meat. I know it, the same old story, a man's work and a dog's life. And what does it amount to? What good is to be done? I am tired, sick, sore, and discouraged. The main thing was game but I had a much livelier time with some members of the Peary Arctic Club's expedition, known as Our Four-Footed Friends, the Dogs. The dogs are ever interesting. They never bark, and often bite, but there is no danger from their bites. To get together a team that has not been tied down the night before is a job. You take a piece of meat, frozen as stiff as a piece of sheet-iron, in one hand, and the harness in the other. You single out the curry you are after, make proper advances, and when he comes sniffling and snuffling and all the time keeping at a safe distance, you drop the sheet-iron on the snow, the brute makes a dive, and you make a flop. You grab the nearest thing grabbable, ear, leg, or bunch of hair, and do your best to catch his throat, after which everything is easy. Slip the harness over the head, push the forepaws through, and there you are, one dog hooked up and harnessed. After licking the bites and sucking the blood, you tie said dog to a rock and start for the next one. It is only a question of time before you have your team. 
When you have them, leave them alone. They must now decide who is fit to be the king of the team. And so they fight, they fight and fight, and once they have decided, the king is king. A growl from him, or only a look, is enough. All obey, except the females. And the females have their way. For, true to type, the males never harm the females, and it is always the females who start the trouble. The dogs, when not hitched to the sledges, were kept together in teams and tied up, both at the ship and while we were hunting. They were not allowed to roam at large, for past experience with these customers has taught us that nothing in the way of food was safe from the attack of Eskimo dogs. I have seen tin boxes that have been chewed open by dogs in order to get at the contents, tin cans of condensed milk being gnawed like a bone, and skin clothing being chewed up like so much gravy. Dog fights were hourly occurrences, and we lost a great many by the ravages of the mysterious arctic disease Piblocto, which affects all dog life and frequently human life. Indeed, it looked for a time as if we should lose the whole pack, so rapidly did they die. But constant care and attention permitted us to save most of them, and the fittest survived. Next to the Eskimos, the dogs are the most interesting subjects in the Arctic regions, and I could tell lots of tales to prove their intelligence and sagacity. These animals, more wolf than dog, have associated themselves with the human beings of this country, as have their kin in more congenial places of the earth. Wide head, sharp nose, and pointed ears, thick, wiry hair, and in some of the males a heavy mane, thick, bushy tail, curved up over the back, deep chest and forelegs wide apart. A typical Eskimo dog is the picture of alert attention. They are as intelligent as any dog in civilization, and a thousand times more useful. They earn their own livings and disdain any of the comforts of life. Indeed, it seems that when life is made pleasant for them, they get sick, lie down and die, and when out on the march, with no food for days, thin, gaunt skeletons of their former selves, they will drag at the traces of the sledges, and by their uncomplaining conduct, inspire their human companions to keep on. Without the Eskimo dog, the story of the North Pole would remain untold for human ingenuity has not yet devised any other means to overcome the obstacles of cold, storm, and ice that nature has placed in the way than those that were utilized on this expedition. End of chapter 5